You guys are so blessed with your pastors. They are amazing. What a group of heart that they have, their prayer for you guys. You know, I got to know so much about you guys on that trip because they brag about all of you and their church and everything that you guys and your outreaches. We follow you guys, all your Facebook and stuff like that, that Natasha posts and, you know, your heart for the community. You know, I love it. I love to see it. We've stolen already from you guys what you do and brought it back to our church and go, we need to do that. They, they got something that we need. And so it's been such a blessing getting to spend that time on the trip with them. And, and Pat and Amanda did such a great job on that trip that we got to see Jesus move here, there, and it's the same everywhere, you know? So that's really like my story is what I'm sharing with you. I've never put it together like this, but it's really my story of how God got me from my mess into where he had for me. You know, and you look at it, you're like, oh, that guy's a pastor. Of course he worships. No, I'm a pastor. Like uh, Johnny was saying, he's like, I love much because I was forgiven much. Yeah. It tells us that our sins, uh, the, the list that the devil had against us of our sins. Jesus nailed it to the cross. And I love that picture. It's like my list of sins was between Jesus' hand and the cross. And the nail went through his hand and through my list and into the cross, and it was wiped clean. And my list was long. My list went down the cross. It went down Calvary. It went into the city. It rolled out. I had a list. And I grew up in church. And I had a list. I was forgiven much. It took him a lot to get me to where I'm supposed to be. I vowed after my senior year, I thought it was super cool. We had our student council voting, and I was going to run for a class president. And I got a suit on, and I had my buddy do the lights and everything, and I got up there, and I got up here like this to look up, and I looked at all these people, and I went, huh, uh, started sweating, said, vote for me, and ran off. And I said, I will never speak in public again. Never. You're not getting me to do that ever again. Never again. I failed speech class in college because I wouldn't give a speech. Every time we had a speech due, I'd come, oh, teacher, I forgot. Or I was sick that day. I literally did not get up ever again to give a speech until I went to this men's retreat. And after the men's retreat, this pastor comes up to me and goes, hey, Luke, I want you to give your testimony at church tomorrow. And I went, Sure. He's like, okay, thanks. And he walks off. And I'm like, no, I said no. Didn't I say no? I thought I said no. I'm pretty sure I said no because I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't share that stuff. I don't do that in public in front of people. And I'm like, well, God, you're going to have to do it then. And I got up there and I started giving my testimony and just talked about what he did for me. And it was like the Holy Spirit just went whoosh. And it all came, came out. And I got done. And I sat down. And I'm like shaking. I was like, this is better than any drug. This is awesome. I want to do that again. Holy Spirit, we can do that again. And it's your testimony that you share what Jesus did in me. It changes everything. You can never outgrow your testimony. You can never learn enough of the Bible to outgrow your testimony. Paul, written two-thirds of the New Testament. He's on his way to kill Christians. He has letters from the high priest saying he's allowed to kill Christians. Jesus shows up, knocks him off his horse. He says, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Paul gets saved with one word. Lord, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. Years later, Paul is before Caesar, the ruler of the superpower in the world. He's written two-thirds of the New Testament. He knows the whole Old Testament by heart. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He gets up there, what does he do? He doesn't get up there and go, Caesar, I've written these new books. You should read them. Hey, Caesar, I've got all this philosophy and I can prove all these things. No, he got up there and he goes, Caesar, I was riding my horse. I was going to kill Christians. Jesus showed up. He knocked me off my horse and I got saved. Never stop telling your testimony. Never stop telling. This is because they can't argue with your testimony. Nobody can say, no, he didn't. Yeah, he did. I was on drugs. I was an addict. Had a broken heart, had a broken marriage, had all this. He brought me out of it. He brought me through it. He restored it. They can't go, no, he didn't. He's like, you're like, you weren't there. I was there. He did it. They can't argue with your testimony of what he's done in your life, and it changes. That's where the power of God is. That's where the testimony of Jesus is, is what he had done for me. So what we're talking about today is that spirit-led life. And everybody laughed because your name 
Spirit Life Church, I'm sure you've heard plenty about living in the Spirit and living by the Spirit and what He can do. So I want you to think about next week. What does it look like in your life? What do I got to do next week? What do I got to do tomorrow? What's my day look like? What's my week look like? Some of us have it all planned out. Some of us have it like, I have no idea. I'm just winging it. I wake up and then see what happens. But how much of that week, how much of that day tomorrow is going to be supernatural? And how much of it is going to be natural? What am I expecting? Am I expecting tomorrow just another day? Or am I expecting a greater works day? Jesus said we're supposed to have greater works. What am I expecting tomorrow? At work even. Because that's where I was looking at it too. And as I'm putting this together, I'm like, you know, we're all the places we've traveled. We've gone to Cuba and Ecuador and Honduras. We're in the prisons in Honduras. We've gone to Canada and all these places and things we've gone. And I'm like, man, the biggest things in my life have all happened at home. Like on a Tuesday. Not in some big, miraculous, like, big planned event. Not in some crusade or campaign. We weren't fasting for 40 days. It happens like, it's just on a Tuesday. That God did something incredible and amazing. You look back and you're like, holy cow. That's incredible that he did that just on a Tuesday. It was a greater works day that I wasn't expecting. So Galatians 5.25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keeping stuff. I love that picture. I have a son. He's eight years old, and it's so fun. We got four boys, and it's easy to have boys. I recommend it. <laughs> Having girls is a pain. All those feelings and stuff. Crying. So we have four boys, and we, you know, with all my boys, they always emulate the father. And you'll walk with them. You're walking somewhere, and they try to walk like you. And they'll dress like you. I remember being a kid and, you know, going somewhere with my dad. And somebody's like, boy, you look just like your father. And I look over and he's standing there with his hands in his pocket. And I got my hands in my pocket. We're like, oh, sure are. Some of it's natural. Some of it we just do. But some of it we have to emulate. We have to look at. When we're keeping in step with the spirit, we have to be on purpose looking at that. You know, looking at a group when they send a, a group of cadets through a boot camp. And that first day of marching is horrible. And they're all out of sync and they're all out of step and one's walking this way and one's walking that way. And then you see the graduation day. I got to see my brother graduate as a Marine. And they come in marching in with their platoon and they're in perfect step. And they're walking and stepping and you're going, Holy Spirit's going, that's the kind of step. Walking in step with him, walking where he's going, emulating him, stepping where he's stepping. And like Brother Gary was praying in, in corporate prayer this morning, talking about the process the Holy Spirit takes us through in sanctification. To become more and more and more like him, we have to learn. It's a process. We don't start off, you don't just get saved and all of a sudden you got everything perfect. We learn. I love the, the scripture where it talks about Samson. That when Samson was a boy, he had this calling on his life. He was promised to the Lord already. And it says the Holy Spirit began to move on Samson in his town. As a young boy, began to move him, began to teach him what his calling was. You know, what did that look like? Was the Holy Spirit just whispering to him, bet you can pick up that rock. I bet you can throw that log. That he began to move him, began to teach him there's something different about you, Samson. You can do things the other kids can't do. There's a destiny, there's a calling on your life, there's something different about you that you should be able to, to do something. And he's challenging him and he's teaching him. And he's moving him into his destiny, into his path. So keeping in that step, it's like we want to know the whole plan at the beginning. God, show me everything. And then let me see if that's what I want to do, if that's a good way to go. And a lot of times, even if he showed us everything, like the whole plan, we would go try to do it ourselves. Let me see how I can make that happen. It's like we always start in the spirit and we end up in the flesh. Egypt. Israel got out of Egypt by the Spirit, and they tried to get in the promised land in the flesh. In Galatians, he talks to the Galatians. He's like, you received the Holy Spirit by hearing and believing, but now you're trying to get works and miracles in the flesh. It's our human nature. We always start in the Spirit, and somehow we ended up over in the flesh trying to do it on our own, trying to make it happen. 
trying to think of a way where I can get these finances, where I can get my kids to obey, where I can get my marriage where it needs to be. We end up in the flesh trying to do it. Rather than starting in the Spirit, staying in the Spirit, finishing in the Spirit, the whole way through is the Holy Spirit. And that's what he did in my life. You know, I grew up in church, but I didn't know him any better. Saved at four years old. I remember the night vividly, realizing a need that I needed Jesus at four years old. Can see where I was at. Can see the altar call. Can see the man preaching. No, I had Jesus at that moment. But from that age to 23, I didn't get to know him one bit. I didn't know him. I knew all about him. I knew all the Bible stories. I was in church four or five days a week. I think my parents opened the church and closed the church. We were there all the time. We were at choir practice. We are at everything. Dad cleaned the church like all the time and stuff. All that time, never knew him any better personally. Knew all the stories, knew all the stuff, knew Bible verses because I got candy for memorizing them. But I didn't know him until I finally gave up, until I finally hit rock bottom. Got married young, got divorced young. My first marriage lasted a year and a half, fell apart. I'm back at my parents' house, no job, single dad, have a kid that's a year and a half old. Dropped out of college three times. Had nothing at all and finally went, guess it's your turn. Do something with this. I made a mess. I'm really good at making messes. I make a dig, big hole. Keep digging. You know, like when they hit rock bottom, they go, well, when you hit rock bottom, you'll look up. No, I hit rock bottom and then I kept digging. I started digging sideways. Trying to find another way to screw up. And he took me from that moment. And he started bringing me back. And I started walking and stepping. I started seeking him. And you know, even if you don't know what to seek for, even if you don't know what your destiny is, like he never gave me like a five-year plan for my life. Everybody's like, you should have a plan. You should have short-term goals and long-term goals. You should have smart goals. I didn't have any goals. All I knew was I needed him and to seek him. And it's funny too because I'd hear all these messages and they'd talk about, you know, I heard God. And I was like, well, I want to hear God. I lived my whole life in church. I can't tell you I ever heard God. I heard a bunch of people talk about it, but I never got it. So I started asking them, I want to hear God. And so I got all these messages and CDs and, and books on how to hear from God. And I'm like, well, how do you hear from God? And you read the book and it's like, be quiet. I'm like, well, that's not it. You know, give me another one. Somebody's got a secret. There's a key in here. I can find it. And you read the next one. And this guy's really blunt. He's like, you need to shut up. And I was like, oh. Well, that's blunt enough. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I psyched myself up for it, right? I'm going to do it. I'm going to hear from God. And so I made a plan. I was going to go up to my room, still in my parents' house, at 24 years old. This is where I'm at. No job, nothing. I need to hear from God. And I, I meant it. I'm going up there until I hear from God. I'm going up on this mountain. I'm not coming down without a word from God. I got snacks. I got drinks. I'm ready. I got worship music. Like, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not coming out of here. And it was about 30 minutes later, I heard God say, and it was at the time in my life when my marriage was falling apart and everything, and he gave me this story in my heart, in that voice inside that did not come from here. I knew it was him. I said, I heard from God. He gave me this story of Abraham sacrificing Isaac. He said, if you'll give me your life, if you'll give me all your Isaacs, I'll give you life. And I heard that inside. First time ever. I knew I heard him. And I went, it really was that simple. You just had to shut up. It really is that simple. The spirit-led life, just shut up. Surely I got to do something. I got to fast, 40 days, something. Pray, long time, you know. I got to be able to pray like pastor prays to be able to, no, just shut up. That is hard for some of us. You'll shut up, you'll be quiet, and your brain will think of everything you don't need to be thinking about. I wonder what did happen to the dinosaurs. That's so strange. Just out of nowhere. It'll start asking these questions. You just got to bring it back. Just be quiet. Learn to hear his voice because he has this plan. And the problem is we wait until we're facing something drastic. Something life-threatening to start hearing. No, you got to start like Samson did. Start little. Start now with the little things. I remember like one of the greatest moments. I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, wanting, I'm studying. I'm wanting to hear God. I'm wanting to know him better. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit to lead me. And it's like 9 o'clock at night. And he's like, get up and go for a walk. I'm like, okay. And like I said, this is the time I had nothing. 
I had just gotten a pair of shoes, $20 pair of Payless shoes. First new shoes I had had in probably years at this point. So I'm excited. I'm going to put my new shoes on, and I'm going for a walk with the Holy Spirit. And he takes me out. And in St. Cloud, all of our streets in St. Cloud are just squares. Like, they laid this city out. It's just squares. Like, every, every street has six houses. On each side, is squares all the way. So the Holy Spirit takes me out of the house. Turn right. Turn right. Turn left. Turn left. Turn left. Turn right. I'm just walking and praying. Nothing's happening. It's 9 o'clock at night. And I'm just walking and praying and stuff. And I turn a corner, and here's this guy coming straight towards me. And he's hobbling, and he's got no shoes on. I say, hey, man, how you doing? What's going on? Can I pray for you and everything? And I go, hmm, what size shoe are you? It's like size 10. Like, me too. And what I want to do is, like, the Lord's got to give you some shoes. But I didn't. I gave him my new shoes. And I'm like, man, I should have worn my old shoes. <laughs> Could have gave away my old shoes. Now I, got, now I have new shoes again. But inside, I was rejoicing. It was the coolest thing ever. I heard God tell me to go somewhere and do something, and I did it. And I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. I heard him. I did. And he starts moving you in these ways. He starts giving you little things to do. And the first time he gave me a word of knowledge for somebody. We're at youth group. And he says to tell this young lady, he says, tell her her father loves her. And I tell her, and she starts crying. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. You give me a heads up on that. You made her cry. Jesus, what's going on? And so she literally starts crying and runs off. I'm like, whoop, messed that one up. Guess I didn't hear him. And she comes back a little later and she said, it's the fifth anniversary of my father's death. Thank you for saying that. That ministered to me. And I got to give her a hug and tell her how her father in heaven loves her so much. And that she'll see her father and minister to her. I had no way of knowing that. I had no idea when her dad had died. But that ministered to me more than to her. That I heard God. He used me. He did something with me. And you have these little moments that get bigger and bigger. And they're like, all right, now what's next? And you just become aware of him. And let him lead you into what we have to do next. Galatians 5.13 says, you are called to freedom, brothers. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. You know, you have this purpose. It's easy that once we get res some results from the Holy Spirit, from the life with God, once we get some comfort, to just relax and make it about us. Well, I'm comfortable. And it's like we run to God when there's a crisis, but then when we're comfortable again, we stop seeking. But if our life becomes about seeking him so we can serve others better, how can I love those around me more? Lord, I need a word. I don't need a word for me. Everything's great. I need a word for my brother. I need a word for Johnny. Lord, give me a word for Johnny. I want to encourage him today. That because our freedom doesn't stay about us. It talks about not using our freedom as a stumbling block for others. That I can do this in my life, but I love you so much that it's going to cause you to stumble. So I refrain from my freedom. And in America, we don't do that. We fly our flag and eagle proudly. And you don't mess with my freedom. But for my brother, what won't I give up? How much more do I love them than my own freedom to do anything? That I'll do anything for them. That my freedom, I'm free, and they're not yet, so I want to serve them. Lord, give me something. Give me a gift from the Holy Spirit, a word of knowledge, a word of prophecy. Give me a gift of healing. They need, I want to give. And to the heart of the Father, because love gives. John 3, 16, for God so loved that he shouted from heaven, I love you. No, he loved so much he gave. The response, our response to our being loved is to give, to give to each other, to share with each other. You know, this freedom we have, this newness, that you're a new creation. You're not who you used to be. You're not your past. You're not your list of sins. You're not your old identity. You are new in him. When you became born again, you became born into this position as a son and daughter. You were given authority. You know, Adam was given in the garden. He wasn't just told to eat fruit and have babies. That's what everybody seems to think. That they were just put there and they were going to eat fruit and have babies. And that was wonderful. That's life. But they weren't. Adam was put there and the Lord said, guard it and keep it. He was given authority. 
over all the earth, over everything that walked, every creeping thing he was given authority over. He didn't earn it. He wasn't trained into that position. He was given it by the Father. When you became born again, you were given authority based on your position. That authority never changes. That baby has the same authority as the grown-up. The rookie on the police force has the same authority as the 30-year veteran. The authority is given them by the, the one backing the authority. The Father gave you authority. At your first day as a Christian, you had authority over all the power of the enemy. Never changed. You didn't have to earn it. You didn't have to be good that week. Nothing. Your position as a king that he's king over was absolute that first day. But what we get as we grow is power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you after you're born again and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and power, now we exercise power. So if you exercise your authority and a policeman pulls somebody over and he says stop and they don't stop, then he has power on his hip. The badge is authority and the gun is power to enforce the authority. And the Holy Spirit is your authority and your power to enforce in your life what happens next. We're not supposed to go through life just by opportunity. We don't go places because they offer us a dollar more. We go where we're led by the Spirit. And there's so many Christians that they're in the wrong city, they're in the wrong state, in the wrong place just because they followed opportunity instead of being led by the Spirit. They start seeking the Lord and start finding out, oh man, I think I'm supposed to move to Minnesota. I need some ID on that, huh, Jeff? It's cold up there. The Holy Spirit, don't you know it's cold up there? Pastor Jeff told me he had an opportunity to go join a church and be a pastor of a church in Hawaii. I'm like, whoo, that would be tempting. You really got to know that God has put you where you're supposed to be to stay in Minnesota when you're offered Hawaii. You got to trust him, right? You got to know, oh, man. I was given an opportunity, uh, you know, had some friends say, come up to Canada and be a pastor of church up here. And I said, well, God would have to give me a burning bush, and I get to keep it. And it follows me everywhere for all of my days to go up there and stay there. So I haven't seen it yet, so we're still good. We're still in Florida. But to be led like that, to have the confidence that you hear from God, you start off small. Start off with the little things. Which way should I drive home, Holy Spirit? Give me something to give, Holy Spirit. And you find out that you have this freedom to follow him. In the Old Testament, they were given rules about everything. And then they took those rules and they made more rules. The Lord gives them a rule, keep the Sabbath. And they add 600 more ways to keep the Sabbath. You can only walk 25 feet at a time. They even have the rules today, like you can open the refrigerator, but on Friday you have to unscrew the light bulb so the light doesn't come on. That's law. That's Jewish law right now. That they were under, that they're keeping these rules rather than being led by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has never told me to unplug my light bulb yet before I open my fridge. It's okay. We have this freedom to obey. But with that freedom, we already know, that freedom comes responsibility. We're responsible for so much more now because we're able to be led by Him. We're able for the Holy Spirit to tell us things. So now we have the responsibility to do what we were singing about. Make room for him. Make expectation. Expect him to lead me. Matthew 3.11, Jesus, uh, John said about Jesus, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you feel like that in your life? Do you feel like you're on fire? When you look at next week, does it look like there's going to be any fire there? What are you expecting from the Holy Spirit? And I look at my life, you know, all those years being in church, getting saved at a young age. And then at 23, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it's funny, too, because... I had gone up for prayer, hadn't received it, never spoke in tongues, went up, and it just couldn't, just couldn't open my mouth, couldn't make my mouth move. It, the problem was me. 
not moving my mouth, not wanting to look silly, not wondering what people would think about me. And so I went to do it, and I was going to just do it by myself. So I went to a park at night, and I'm going to do it by myself. And at the time, I was still smoking cigarettes. I started smoking cigarettes at 14. And I was still smoking, and I go, and I go to pray, and I want to, Holy Spirit, baptize me. I'm going to begin to speak in tongues. And I start, and it's like, bah, bah, bah. And I'm like, yeah, that's not it. And I hear this voice, or feel this voice, of, well, you can't pray in tongues because you got a dirty mouth. You smoke cigarettes. I'm like, man, that's right. i got to clean up first before the Holy Spirit can use me. That makes sense. And I went home. And months go by, and I've been trying to quit. I mean, I was going to church, and I was helping with youth, and I really wanted to quit, but I really liked smoking. And so I wanted to quit. I felt guilty, and every time I smoked, I felt guilty, but I could not kick it. I'd throw them away, and I'd get them out of the trash. I'd go find them, go anywhere. I'd quit all the time. And I went to this men's conference, the one I was telling you about. I had the testimony after. And I had drawn the line in the sand. I'm never smoking after this weekend. This is it. So I smoked like two packs that day because that was my last chance. It's my last cigarette. I'm going to smoke all of them. And I go to the meeting, and the first two meetings are just wonderful, wonderful, but I just keep thinking about smoking. And after our first break, I go up to the store, and I get cigarettes, and I go back, and I'm behind the hotel, and I start smoking, and I started crying. And I'm not a crier. And I was like, I am such a failure. I, I'm a loser. I can't. I can't do this. Like, I've drawn my line. I've taken communion over it. All this stuff. And I've just failed and failed and failed. Like, I have no willpower. I'm so weak. I'm useless. And I'm just sitting there behind this hotel, like, by the dumpster. I'm like, look at me. Look, I'm homeless. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. And I began to flip through my Bible that I got there, and I got to Revelation 3.21. And it says, to him who overcomes, I will give to sit down with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And like that, I was free. And I never smoked again. Never even wanted to. Like a craving, I'd smell it, and a little craving would start, and I would say, to him who, and it's gone. And never want to, listen, I had tried for years to quit under my own power. The Holy Spirit set me free with one word. Free. Just done. He can do that with anything. He can do that with drugs, depression, alcohol, anything. Any Free, one word. Find that one word for the situation and stick it to it. And he can free you from anything. Just being led. He wants to lead you to freedom, to lead you to victory, to lead you into your perfect destiny. Yeah. And he had this promise. And so after, I get, after this, I still hadn't received praying in tongues yet. And so I said, you know what? I heard God. I heard his voice. I'm going to do the same thing. So I got my snacks. I got my drink. <laughs> I'm going up to my room. Like, I know how this works now, right? I'm going up there. I'm getting baptized. I'm praying in the spirit. And I did. I went up there, five minutes later, started praying, ba ba ba. It was the same thing. It was the same thing I had prayed at the park, the same tongues coming out of my mouth I had had at the parks. I'm like, I had that before. You lied to me, devil. I could have done it when I was smoking. And it would have gave me power to overcome smoking. Jude 20 says, praying in the Holy Spirit builds you up in your inmost faith. It edifies you, it charges you up like a battery, praying in the spirit. You need that if you want victory. If you have any area of your life that you're looking at going, man, I wish that would change, it's not going to happen in your own power. You've already tried. It's time to get some Holy Spirit power in there. And I look back, you know, on my relationship with the Father before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, before I got the gift of praying in tongues and communing with him in tongues, and I was it's like, color came on. It was like before it was in black and white, and now my relationship with him is like in color. It was amazing what changed in me just being able to commune. Because you start praying, and especially me, I'm not like a long prayer. Give me about 30 seconds, I run out of things to say. To have that gift to be able to switch over and pray in the Holy Spirit and let him pray the perfect prayer for my life. Allow him to pray for my family for my business, for all these things is amazing that what he'll let us do. And so I'm 
receiving from him and I'm learning to hear his voice. But I'm still living at home. Still don't have a job. I was just volunteering at church all the time. And me and my brother were in Subway. And we're at the checkout line. There's a couple from church behind us, an older couple from church. And they're right behind us. And Holy Spirit said, buy their lunch. And I'm like, I only got 20 bucks for the week. We are not making any money here, Holy Spirit. They should probably buy my lunch. They're not hearing from you. You should tell them to buy our lunch. But I know his voice now. I know he's talking. I know he said doing it. So I was obedient. And we bought their lunch. And I go, oh, thanks. You didn't have to do that. And I'm like, yeah, I know I didn't have to do that. But I did it. And a couple weeks later, that man comes up to me. He goes, hey, what are you doing for work? I was like, nothing. Just a little odd jobs when I can, but maybe just volunteering at church. He goes, I got this business. I installed doors for a big box company. And we installed doors. I'm like, huh, I didn't know that was a thing. Who knew? He's like, uh, but I'm trying to, you know, I'm getting older. The summers are hard. I got a place up in North Florida. I'm trying to get to. I'm looking for somebody to buy my business. So I was like, I'll pray for you. Because <laughs> I ain't got no money. I ain't never put a door in before. I've not done any of this. And he goes, I, I really think you're supposed to do something. Why don't you come work with me? I'll pay you to work with me. Check it out. I'm like, listen, I don't have any money. I, the $20 I had, I gave about your lunch with. <laughs> Haven't got it back yet. Can't buy a business. I have nothing. I'm driving dad's car, living in his house, eating his food. And he says, come on out and check it out. And so he brings me out. He buys tools for me. Buying dad's car. Working that. Six months later, he goes, here's the business. Pay me out of what you make. I was like, I got a business for a sandwich. <laughs> for a Subway sandwich, I bought a business. And it was him, and it started out, and he just had him, and he, but he made a good living at it. And every year, that business doubled for 10 years. And just grew, and I didn't know anything about this. I haven't done any of this. The Holy Spirit taught me the whole way. He's, that's it. How to do that? I don't know how to put a window. You want to put windows in? I don't know how to put windows in. Holy Spirit, teach me how to put windows in. And he, all, every step, he taught me. He led me for the simplest things. And it's crazy that the littlest thing on the Tuesday is the thing that becomes a huge part of your life. I'm sure he could have done it another way if I'd have been dumb and not listened. But he did it through a sandwich. He did it through a little obedience. You know, I didn't wake up that morning and the Holy Spirit was like, I'm going to give you a business. I just woke up listening. Woke up following him. You know, it's talking about Elijah and he's in that cave and there's lightning and thunder and the voice of the Lord's not in those. And the wind came and the fire came and it's not in those. It's in the still, small voice. He wants us to lean in. He wants us to be sensitive to him, to be able to hear that voice. Had this amazing experience. And again, it was just, it was like right before a trip to Honduras or something, and my youngest Sam, I wanted to do something with him. So I'm like, oh, Lord, what should we do? You know, I'm thinking about it. I've had a little John boat, and it just seemed good to go fishing with him. So, all right, Sammy, let's go fishing. And I think it was Acts, yeah, the next one, Acts 15, 28, where they're praying and fasting, and it says it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And that's what that feeling was that day. It seemed good to go fishing. It just seemed like a good idea. Well, no bright light, no trumpet, nothing. Go fishing. And... I drove by a boat ramp sign, and I was like, huh, there's a boat ramp down there. I've never been to that boat ramp. Let's, it just seemed good to check out that boat ramp. So I load Sam up, get some minnows, and we go down, and we go fishing. We take the John boat out, and about 100 yards from shore, the motor dies. Won't start back up. Messing with it, messing with it. Won't start, won't start, won't start. Thinking, boy, I missed that. Missed him today. Wasn't supposed to be out here. Guy comes by, hey, you need a tow back to the dock? Yes, please. Throw them the rope, tows us back to the dock. Well, I guess they missed it. Wasn't supposed to be out on that lake, apparently, because the boat's broke. So I said, all right, Sam, let's just fish from the bank for a little while. 
we still got all these minnows. Let's just fish here. So we're playing and fishing and hear a yell. There's some houses about two blocks away. Just, yeah, like somebody's yelling for somebody. Look around and nobody. There's nobody on the streets. Nobody's out. Middle of the day, Tuesday. Huh, that's weird. Seemed good to go check it out. But we're fishing. I would just keep fishing. I don't see nothing, nothing going on. No other yell. Nothing moving, nothing going on. Huh? Somebody yelling at their dog or something maybe. Minute goes by. Seemed good to go check it out. Nothing big. No big sign, nothing. So, all right, Sam, put the pole down. Let's go check this out. I feel like we're supposed to go look at something. So we walk, and it's about two blocks, and we walk over, and we get by a car. That's a guy working underneath a car. And, hey, man, you all right? No answer. So Sam, stay right there. And I go down, and I look underneath, and there's a big Suburban. The guy had been working under, and the jack had fallen down, and the tire was in his chest. Non-responsive, not breathing, not moving, not kicking, not twitching, nothing. And I said, you will not die. You will live and declare the works of the Lord. And I call 911 on the phone with 911. No idea where I am. Don't know what street I'm on. Nobody's out in the street. Nothing. Figuring this out. Sam's just standing there. I don't know what was going on. He's like four or five, I think. And uh, I start jacking it up, and he's got a jack too small. That's why the thing had fallen over. Didn't have the wheels chalked. He had too small a jack. So I'm jacking up on the jack, and it gets all the way to the end of the jack, and the tire is still inside his chest. I can't get him out from under it. I have no way to do CPR. I can't do anything. Nothing physical can I do to help this man. And he's gone. He's out. But I can speak in authority in the name of Jesus over him. I could command breath into his lungs. Spiritually, can't do nothing physically. A minute goes by and he goes, <gasps> and takes a breath. So I'm still on the phone with 911. They got him coming and stuff. And, and the firefighters finally get there and he's breathing again. He's not, hasn't woke up. He's not responsive or anything, but he's taking breaths. And they start to jack the car up. I'm like, it's not going any higher. And they just didn't go any higher. They actually had to let it down a little bit. They got some wood and they stuck it under them. They actually let it back down on him. That's when he woke up. <laughs> That's when he started yelling. I'm like, he's alive. Because he was saying some words. And they ended up airlifting him. They brought a helicopter and everything. He had seven broken bones, ribs crushed, one lung crushed, uh, but fully alive. Went and visited him in the hospital and he goes... I was like, hey, man, what's happening? He's like, man, you know more than I do. He goes, I felt the, the car move, and I yelled, and the next thing I woke up, and I was in a helicopter. He's gone, dead. And it's funny, too, because I've, I've told this story, you know, often and stuff, and I'm looking at the day, I was like, hey, I raised the dead. I've done it. I mean, he might not have been technically dead. No doctor said he's dead, but I was like, close enough. I'll take it. <laughs> that one works. Check that off. And it's funny, too, because I had this revelation the other day, too. It's like, when you get saved, people will make Jesus their Savior. I'll pray the prayer, and he's their Savior. But he's not Lord. It says we're supposed to confess him as Lord, not confess him as Savior. And to that guy, I'm his Savior. I saved him from death and got him to the hospital. And they restored him and healed him. And he's, he's back working today. His wife did contact me once, you know, a couple months later, just to let me know he's back and stuff. But I was like, you know, to that guy, I'm Savior, but I'm not Lord, because I never heard from him again. When we accept Jesus as Savior only, we are thankful to him. I'm sure, you know, he might cross his mind every couple days or weeks or months or something. He goes, oh, I'm thankful for that guy. Glad I'm not dead today. And we can be thankful for Jesus as Savior, but until our relationship with him is Lord, we don't spend that day with him. We don't wake up and go, Lord, what's your plan today? What do you have in store for us today? What's going on? What's, what's the greater works that you have ready for me today? And because we have gotten and he's walked us through this, and he's taught me from giving my shoes away to pulling a guy out from under a car that three years ago in 2020, my wife had been having back pain. It's like a real strong pain in the back. And 
we weren't sure what's going on. I'd gone on for a couple months, and she was doing some of those weird diets and stuff. So I was like, it's probably because your diet's messing with your system. You know, you're doing keto, and then you're doing this one. And, so, you know, something's probably just going on there. And she keeps coming. I'm in pain still. And so she goes, I'm going to go get this checked out. And it was like late Friday night, something like that. And uh, we had my nephews over with my son. So I was like, well, I got to stay here with the boys. And so she grabs her sister and she goes up to the hospital and they get her in uh, for a PET scan. And now two doctors come in the room. And when two doctors come in the room, not good news. And the two doctors go, you have cancer. It's stage four pancreatic cancer. It's already in your liver. It's already in your lymph nodes. And so she calls me, says, this is what they said. I said, all right, it's during COVID. They wouldn't let anybody in the hospital or anything. I couldn't go anywhere that night. I had to wait till tomorrow to go. So that night, I go to the Lord. I said, what's the word? What's the word? You've already trained me. I know how to do this. I didn't have to grab snacks this time. <laughs> I knew it was not snack needed. But I went to him and I said, what's the word? And he gave me the word that said, when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death, but to the glory of God that the Son of God might be glorified through it. And I went, thank you. And I went to bed. And I went to sleep. And I slept fine. And I woke up the next day and I joined her in the hospital. And they said, this is what we see. And we said, no problem. And we went to a doctor and we're led. We know now. I've been trained. I had a friend, a good friend of ours come over and he comes up and he goes, man, I'm sorry you're going through this and this diagnosis and if there's anything we can do. And I look at him and go, this is what we trained for. This is what he trained me for. The impossible we have been trained in. And so the Holy Spirit said, go to this doctor. And so we made an appointment with that doctor and two good friends of ours who had gone through cancer and had gone to that doctor and they said, don't go to that doctor. But the Holy Spirit's going, go to that doctor. So we followed the Holy Spirit. And the reason they didn't like the doctor was actually because he had no bedside manner. He was just blunt. So we sat down with him, and he looked at the diagnosis, and he looks at us, and he goes, what do you want? Like, literally that blunt, like, what do you want? He's like, I can't save your life. I can prolong your life a little bit. We can put you on stuff. We can do this. We're like... We know the answer. We were sent to you. What do you think we should do here? He goes, I can put you on chemo today, just broad stuff, make you sick. You're not going to like it. You're going to throw up in this stuff. He goes, but what I would like to do would be to wait and take uh, the genetic test to find out the specific mutation. I'm like, well, how long is that going to take? Three months. They've given six months. Marlena's dad had died at 53. They gave him six months to live, and six months he died that fast of pancreatic cancer. So they looked at that, looked at her family history, looked at this, and went, well, you got six months. Do you want to wait three? So if we're not led by the Spirit and we're in fear, we want to start right now. We got to do this now. We got to do something now in the flesh now. We had perfect peace. We'll wait. We went to a women's conference. At that women's conference, she heard a speaker named Audrey Mack, who's originally from France, and she preached a message called Take It By Force about taking your healing, about not allowing and not settling, about getting mad inside and standing up in the power of the Spirit and receiving what God has for you instead of just accepting or doing something in the flesh. And so she got that message, and that message carried her through, taking it by force. And then every time the news, because the news got worse. So we waited. We got a specific medicine. Great, you know, let's start on the specific medicine. And she had a tumor come up on her neck, visible tumor. Started growing. It looks worse. It looks like it's not working. Just following, just obeying. Couple months go by, tumor goes down, tumor's gone. Cancer's out of the liver now. The doctor's looking at the report, looking at that, looking at that, looking at that. After a little while, he goes, You might be all right. <laughs> Couple months goes by, next pan scan, and he goes, I believe you're gonna be okay. And we're like, yeah, that's what we told you. <laughs> You're surprised. We're not surprised. So it gets down. We're led every step of the way. The cancer's gone from everywhere but just the, the pancreas now. Holy Spirit says, radiate it. 
So we go to the doctor and we go, hey, can we radiate this? And they're like, yeah, I guess we can. So she goes in there and sits down with the radiologist and the radiologist is like, we're like, what? She's like, I've never done this. <laughs> what do you mean you've never done this? Yeah, everybody's dead by now. We're like, oh, cool. So she's excited. She gets irradiated. She's like, oh, okay, well, glad we could bless you. You're welcome. And then after that, done. Clear PET scan. Clear PET scan. We've had four clear PET scans. Totally gone. Ministering in the hospital the whole time. His plan is for your freedom. He wants to teach you. He wants to take you from giving shoes to beating impossible cancer. But if we hadn't been trained, if we start jumping in trying to do it, when you're faced with the impossible, it's a lot harder. It's a lot harder to start studying when you're already in the test. The spirit-led life, the life that he wants you to lead, that life of freedom that brings you to your destiny, that gets you to that place. It's like Joshua. When Moses would leave the tabernacle, Joshua would stay in the presence of God. He was being trained. He was being prepared to lead the people. And it's amazing that when Joshua leads them into the promised land, the first thing they have to start with is being in the spirit. He wanted them to take a step into the river, and the river didn't begin to recede until they stepped in it. The river didn't part until they stepped in it. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you. He's going to draw you. We need that power that he provides to be able to accomplish what we want to accomplish. You know, you can get through life just saved. But how selfish. How selfish to live just saved and not live and operate in power and the gifts of the Spirit, being a blessing to people, setting others free, allowing them to know what you know. You know, that's the most beautiful thing that occurred to me today praying with Pastor Jeff is that his prayers are for you to know the Father the way he knows the Father. He loves much because he's been forgiven much too. I love that in his preaching, that the whole series on Colossians, I listened to that with you guys. And then the one on knowing the will of the Father in God's eyes. And how he opened up and he told you what God brought him from. And how he knows him as delivered, how he knows him as Father. That he wants you to know God the way he knows him. Yeah. And that's his heart for you. And that you would know the Holy Spirit as your friend. Not just like the guy that sits on your shoulder. Right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, he's over here. No, he's your friend. He's with you. He wants to lead you into all the truth. He wants to tell you things to come. He doesn't want you to be surprised. He wants you to be prepared. And he has given, says that Jesus hung on the cross so that we could be freed from the curse of the law and receive the promised Holy Spirit. Part of that price that he paid on that cross was for us to have the Holy Spirit, to do greater works, to have miracles, signs, and wonders follow us, and not because of the law, not because we were good this week, but because of grace. If I ever look at myself and say, have I been good enough to get this prayer answered? The answer is no. Because the only way we get any prayer answered is on credit. It's on Jesus' tab. That's what grace is. We receive what he paid for. We receive the Holy Spirit because he paid for us to receive the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be good enough, clean enough to, to receive the Holy Spirit. He cleans you up. You ain't never cleaned a fish before you caught it, right? No. The Holy Spirit cleans us. The Holy Spirit ministers to us and loves us that way. 1 John 2.20, we'll end with this one. It says, you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. His anointing on you teaches you. It's amazing when Peter and John, they brought them before the high priests because they were preaching in Jesus' name again. And they said they took note that they were uneducated common men. I was like, that's me. Uneducated common man. I dropped out of college three times. I thought I wanted to be an engineer. That was my plan because somebody told me they made a lot of money. And I was like, that sounds like a good plan. I want to be an engineer. And then I found out I don't like math that much. 
and I got to college, and I got to trigonometry, and I got an F on my paper because they said my imaginary numbers were wrong. <laughs> and I said, how come your imaginary numbers are right and my imaginary numbers are wrong? I'm out of here. Three times I dropped out of college. I was uneducated, common man. And it said they took note that they had been with Jesus. That when you hang out with him, people start going, you used to be dumber. You got smarter. Yeah, I've been hanging out with Jesus. I have something to give. And he has something for you today. I want to give you the opportunity to make him Lord. Not Savior, Lord. Not fire insurance, but a life lived with him. Greater life. Abundant life. A life filled with joy and peace. Maybe your life, and you look at your life, and you're like, man, my life's black and white. I want a life in color. You need the Holy Spirit. Your relationship with God's always felt black and white, like I'm either good or bad. You can live a life in color with the Holy Spirit, where everything looks new. Everything looks amazing. You just wake up, and you're like, God, you're so good to me. I don't deserve any of this, and you made it happen. I want to give you that opportunity. If you want to make him Lord. Say, Jesus, I need you. I've tried my own. I'm like Luke. I made a mess. I hit rock bottom and I started digging sideways. I want to be free to worship. Maybe you just have pride holding you back. That when you saw Gary run around the room in the Holy Spirit, you're like, man, I wish I was brave enough to do that. You need the Holy Spirit. You need fire. Because that's what happens when you have fire. You run. You share it. You spread it. You get bold in the Lord. You get so excited at him, it doesn't matter what people think of you anymore. That's what the boldness in the Holy Spirit does. When he anoints you with fire and you're so passionate about him and what he's doing, you just can't hold back. Everybody you see, you see the love of God for him. You say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what he's done in my life. He'll do it for you. He loves you just as much as he loves me. So let's bow our heads and repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I need you. I have nothing to offer and you offer me everything. And I accept your gift. I accept your sacrifice. On the cross, you paid for my sin. You paid for my healing. And you paid for me to have Holy Spirit. I receive your free gift. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me new today. I am now a new creation. Who I was before is who I was before. I'm new and I'm yours, and you are mine, and I thank you. Father, I'm your son, I'm your daughter. I have your authority, I have your identity. I thank you, in Jesus' name, amen.